0: Hello, my name's Fiona Bennett. Welcome back to the Poetry Exchange podcast. This is our 10th episode in our season of conversations about poems as friends. We've been talking to people about the poem that's been a friend to them at various places around the country and soon to be doing some more exchanges in Manchester at John Ryland's library. So we're having a wonderful time out there with these encounters with people and these conversations about their poem and it really is wonderful that with their permission and the permissions of the poets involved we're able to bring this podcast to you with edited versions of the conversations and indeed at the end of each podcast the gift reading that we've created inspired by those conversations. This will be the last in this season. We're just going to be taking a bit of time over the summer to reflect on Uh, where we've got to with these amazing conversations that we've been having with people and, of course, to crucially spend some time editing material for the next season. So do make sure that you press subscribe in order to get the episodes as they come along. So let's take ourselves into this episode. It's another conversation that we gathered in St Chad's Chapel, where we were in residence for the day as part of Durham Book Festival. St Chad's Chapel is a wonderful small chapel that's part of St Chad's College, Durham University, tucked away like a little hideaway at the back of the college and you have to walk through small doors and down college corridors and then you come out into a little garden at the back and there's this wonderful small chapel which actually looks more like a little barn than a chapel. It's a beautiful intimate space but nonetheless on an October morning it can be quite chilly and we were there awaiting our first visitor and he came in and utterly transported us from that cold October Durham morning to a place of heat and seashore with his conversation and the poem that he brought to us. So I hope that you'll be transported by it too. If you'd like to follow along with the text of the poem itself while you're listening, press the description button on your page and you'll see the full poem there. You'll be hearing myself and Michael Schaefer talking about For Sigrid from the collection The Bounty by Derek Walcott, the poem that's been a friend to Mark.
1: I've been thinking about the poem a lot, actually, mm. and thinking about why it's so... Powerful for me. This is by Derek Walcott from The Bounty. It's one of those that always just gets to me. Every, it doesn't matter how many times I read it, it always still gets inside me. The sea should have settled him, but its noise is no help. I'm talking about a man whose doors invite a sail to cross a kitchen sill at sunrise. To whom the reek of kelp drying in the sunlit wind on the chattering shoal, Or the veils of a drizzle hazing a narrow cave, are a phantom passion. Who hears in the feathering lances of grass a soundless siege, Who, when a bird skips a wave, feels an arrow shoot from his heart, And his wrist dances. He sees the full moon in daylight, the sky's waning rose, the grey wind, his nurse trawling her shawl of white lace, whose wounds were sprinkled with salt, but who turns over their horrors with each crinkling carapace. I'm talking about small odysseys that, with the rhythm of a galley, launch his waking house in the thinning indigo hour, as he mutters thanks over the answer of a freckled, forgiving back in creased linen, its salt neck and damp hair, and, rising from cover to the soundless pad of a leopard or a mewing kitten, unscrews the coffee jar and measures two and a half spoons, and pauses, paralysed by a sail crossing blue windows, then dresses in the half-dark, dawn drawn by the full moon's magnet, until her light-heaving back is a widow's. She drags the tides and she hauls the heart by horses stronger than any devotion, and she creates monsters that have pulled God-settled heroes from their houses and shawled women watching the fading of the stars.
0: Thank you so much for taking us through this poem with that beautiful reading.
1: I think poems that mean a lot to me are poems that kind of help me through things. And this one very much does that. But what I like about it is it doesn't try to make anything better. It doesn't try to comfort or console you. It doesn't try to be upbeat. It just says, look, here's the world. Things happen to you. You go on living in it. And it's got both the beauty of the world and an acknowledgement of the fact that that some things do hurt and some things go on hurting. You know, the opening line, the sea should have settled him, but its noise is no help, full stop. Mm. No help. You know, if the sea's not going to help, then nothing else much is. But he's still going to get up and he's still going to go on, seeing the world and being in the world. And also that there are things that... There are just things that are going to do things to us that we can't do very much about. You know, the moon... She hauls the heart by horses stronger than any devotion. She even moves the sea, so, you know, it's there. You can't do a lot about it. I think also because it's, it works both on a personal level and it works on a mythic level as well. This is, this is like a man in a house on an island, but it's also Odysseus to me. Back on Ithaca with Penelope, but still haunted by everything that happened to him. And the Odyssey would probably be my Desert Island book. I mean, it's, it's a book I'm hugely fond of, so to find that resonance in here is very, very significant to me. I love Walcott's way with words. I mean, he just seems to kind of scatter a few words on a page. I'm sure he does work at it, but it just looks like he's just. It, it reads as though he's just thought of it. I mean, there's both the beauty of the the beauty of the world, the sunlit wind on the chattering shoal, and and there's the warlike images, the arrow from the heart, the the siege of grasses, which because of you know the Homeric reference makes me think makes me think it's an echo for him of Troy.
0: I mean, I, I love that phrase, that repetition of "I'm talking about a man who." I don't know, what is it that I... What does that do?
1: Well, it, I think, for one thing, it brings it into the oral spoken realm, isn't it? Mm. You know, he's not writing, it, he's talking. Mm. He's almost like talking to you, OK? I'm talking about a man mm. who... I always hear this... I always hear it spoken, and spoken in quite a deliberate way. You know, the sea should have settled him, but its noise is no help. It's like it's putting the ideas together as they come... I hear it at quite a quite a deliberate, steady pace because it's it's a man ref,
2: it's, it's almost a man reflecting. It's a very reflective poem. Can I ask you about a couple of the a couple of specific things that I'm grappling with a bit? The, uh, the reek of kelp drying in the sunlit wind on the chattering shoal, or the veils of a drizzle hazing a narrow cave, are a phantom passion.
1: Yes, that's curious isn't phantom it? Passion. Phantom passion it's right but I'm not sure why it's right. To me that this this man is haunted by his past. There's something something to me in it about the the transience of things. Mm-hmm. You know the, the sunlit wind on the shoal and then the drizzle hazing a narrow cave or a phantom passion. I don't think there's anything fixed inside this (laughs) man. Things move and change inside him. He's pulled one way, he's pulled another way. He's attracted to one thing, he's attracted to another. I I can't exactly answer your question because I'm not sure myself, but there's a sense of hauntedness, Mm, emotional hauntedness about it.
2: So when the bird skips the wave, he feels an arrow shoot from his heart. I think that is just,
1: sometimes you see something and it just catches you mm. in the throat and the heart, and you go, oh, mm. just for that moment. And that's, mm. you know, "Oh!" Yeah. It's that outgoing from, from the person to the loveliness of the bird, just and the image of the bird skipping the wave. It's just a tiny moment in time, isn't it? How long does it take for a bird to skip a wave? How long does it take for an arrow to go? it's it's the joy in the immediate moment isn't it this is about so much has happened but you can come and you can just be in the moment with those things that are around you and then perhaps you know in, in those moments perhaps you you know you're just not reflecting on all the the past
2: you're just there as he mutters thanks over the answer of a freckled, forgiving back, increased linen, its salt neck and damp hair. So she's
1: presumably still sleeping, and he's troubled by his leopards of his dreams or whatever, and gets up and rises from cover. I mean, that is almost like a, a beast coming out of its lair, isn't mm-hmm. it?
2: It's brilliant that it goes from that to unscrews the coffee jar, measures to, you know, sort of back into the...
1: Yeah, but you can... It's, it's so... I mean, it's such a nice little detail and you can absolutely see it. It sort of anchors it in. This is a real guy in a real house and he's unscrewing the coffee jar and measuring his coffee out. And it, it, it sort of really grounds it back in.
2: I think without those anchors, for me, it would sort of just drift off.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I th- I've got a fairly high tolerance for works of art that I don't fully understand. I quite enjoy the experience of being lost in something,
0: mm-hmm. of
1: it not totally making sense. Um, but where that you can tell there's an energy in it, you know it's important, you don't know why it's important, you don't necessarily understand it, but it matters. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the one of the things I enjoy about art when it takes me outside what I can easily
2: get a grasp on. Um, Obviously, there are a lot of... um, You know, it's all about the sea. Uh, Do you have a particular relationship with...?
1: I I grew up in the West Midlands, um, which is a long way from the sea, and because this was the 50s and 60s, you know, we, we kind of couldn't go there very much, so a holiday by the sea was always really, really special because of that as a moody teenager I spent hours and hours and hours and hours just walking by the sea and throwing stones into the sea and being with the sea so I think the sea is very important to me, my father was um, in the navy during the war as well and he was always enamoured of the sea and I I, I very much imagine this man walking by the sea looking at the the wind on the shoal and the birds and the changing light, mm. the changing surface, mm. yes. It's also shifting and moving, isn't it? It's not It's not solid land, it's mm. always moving. So you don't have a firm, stable base under you. Kind of like life, really. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, we kind of framed this whole thing as ..poems that have been friends Mm. to people. What sort of friend would you say this has been to you?
1: I kind of feel I know... ..I know where this man is. I know I can feel this man's feelings. This is an older man, as I am, and I think he's been through things... ..as we all have by the time we get to a certain age. Probably had a few failures, had a few losses... Been through things, done some fairly stupid things, maybe. Th- been through things that can't be fully healed or fully made better. And I think also I've I've come kind of closer to those moments in the natural world. So, what this poem is helping me to do is it's helping me to reflect on those aspects of myself. It's showing me those aspects of myself. And and I think oh yes, yeah. I, I kind of understand that. I understand that way of. Being in the world now, I think it's probably a poem that reads better later on in life. It's one of those one of those kind of poems that's more about maturity, and you you maybe need to have had certain kinds of experiences to really come into it in that way. So it is a poem that I will take out and reread at times when I just need to settle myself or need to feel that there's a piece of writing there that understands me. Also, it's it's just very beautiful. The more I go on, the more I'm... It's it's almost like you spend... When you're younger, you kind of become more and more accustomed to the world and and you don't notice it so much. But as I get older, it just seems stranger and stranger to me.
0: It's a different kind of wonder, isn't it?
1: Yes. And he's he's kind of absolutely caught in, in the middle of all that in the middle of you know, ex- both experience and the past and the world as it is here and now. I think what's important about poetry is what it, what it means to my insides. So it is a very personal thing. You know, It's not about looking at it with other people and saying, well, this is clever and this works and this doesn't we know It can't be doing with that. It either, it either does it for me or it doesn't. So it, it is very much about that, that kind of quite visceral response to something. Uh, which is absolutely what I get from this one.
2: I know that for me, I'm not always able to identify why that is. Yeah. yeah. But it's sort of just enough. Yes.
1: I, I quite like poetry as incantation, as mm-hmm. the notion that you know, actually, having those words and saying those words in that way creates an energy, and mm-hmm. that that energy is something that can help you to grow or change or adapt. Or feel more deeply.
0: Mark, it's just been absolutely a real privilege and a pleasure to have you with us and and have this conversation. It's Um, been lovely. Just totally blown away. And now you'll be hearing Michael Schaefer with the gift reading of the poem that we created initially just for Mark while we were there in St Chad's Chapel, but that we're delighted to be able to share with you. For Secret by Derek Walcott.
2: The sea should have settled him, but its noise is no help. I'm talking about a man whose doors invite a sail to cross a kitchen sill at sunrise, to whom the reek of kelp drying in the sunlit wind on the chattering shoal Or the veils of a drizzle hazing a narrow cave Are a phantom passion. Who hears in the feathering lances of grass A soundless siege. Who, when a bird skips a wave, Feels an arrow shoot from his heart And his wrist dances. He sees the full moon in daylight, The sky's waning rose, The grey wind, his nurse trawling her shawl of white lace, whose wounds were sprinkled with salt, but who turns over their horrors with each crinkling carapace. I am talking about small odysseys that, with the rhythm of a galley, launch his waking house in the thinning indigo hour as he mutters thanks over the answer of a freckled, forgiving back in creased linen, Its salt neck and damp hair And, rising from cover to the soundless pad Of a leopard or a mewing kitten Unscrews the coffee jar And measures two and a half spoons And pauses, paralysed by a sail Crossing blue windows Then dresses in the half-dark dawn Drawn by the full moon's magnet Until her light-heaving back is a widow's she drags the tides and she hauls the heart by hawsers stronger than any devotion. And she creates monsters that have pulled God-settled heroes from their houses and shawled women watching the fading of the stars.
0: That was... For Sigrid from the collection The Bounty by Derek Walcott and we're extremely grateful to Farrar, Strauss and Giroux for giving us permission to share the poem with you and indeed to Derek Walcott himself. And if you'd like to know more about the publishers and indeed Derek Walcott's work, do look on the description page where you can find some useful links and also links to the wonderful Durham Book Festival which will of course be back again this October. As I said earlier, make sure you press subscribe so that when we come back with season two, which we're really looking forward to bringing to you, you'll be able to hear the episodes just as they drop into your device. If you haven't had a chance to listen to all the episodes in season one, they're all there. And you can also go along to our website, thepoetryexchange.co.uk, where you can see the episodes on the site and also some of the individual readings that we've created from online nominations. We're always very pleased to hear from people, so if there's anything you'd like to let us know about in response to the podcast, do drop us an email. The email details are on the website. We've really enjoyed being able to share these poems with you and we really look forward to being with you again with Season 2 in the autumn. Thank you for listening.